Part 6 of Ingersoll on Voltaire from The Works of Robert G. Ingersoll, Volume 3, Lecture 4. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording by William Jones, Benita Springs, Florida. Ingersoll on Voltaire, Part 6, The Return after an exile of twenty-seven years occupying during all that time a first place in the civilized world voltaire returned to paris his journey was a triumphal march he was received as a conqueror the academy the immortals came to meet him a compliment that had never been paid to royalty his tragedy of irene was performed at the theatre he was crowned with laurel covered with flowers he was intoxicated with perfume and with incense of worship he was a supreme french poet standing above them all among the literary men of the world he stood first a monarch by the divine right of genius there were three mighty forces in france the throne the altar and voltaire the king was the enemy of Voltaire. The court would have nothing to do with him. The church, malign and morose, was waiting for her revenge. And yet, such was the reputation of this man, such the hold he had upon the people, that he became, in spite of throne, in spite of church, the idol of France. He was an old man of eighty-four. He had been surrounded with the comforts, the luxuries of life, he was a man of great wealth the richest writer that the world had known among the literary men of the earth he stood first he was an intellectual king one who had built his own throne and had woven the purple of his own power he was a man of genius the catholic god had allowed him the appearance of success his last years were filled with the intoxication of flattery of almost worship he stood at the summit of his age the priests became anxious they began to fear that god would forget in a multiplicity of business to make a terrible example of voltaire towards the last of may seventeen seventy eight it was whispered in paris that voltaire was dying upon the fences of expectation gathered the unclean birds of superstition impatiently waiting for their prey two days before his death his nephew went to seek the cure of saint sulpice and the abbe gautier and brought them into his uncle's sick-chamber ah well said voltaire give them my compliments and my thanks the abbe spoke some words to him exhorting him to patience the curé of Saint-Sulpice then came forward, having announced himself, and asked of Voltaire, elevating his voice, if he acknowledged the divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ. The sick man pushed one of his hands against the curé's coif, shoving him back, and cried, turning abruptly to the other side, Let me die in peace. The curé seemingly considered his person soiled and his coif dishonored by the touch of a philosopher he made the nurse give him a little brushing and went out with the abbe gautier 
he expired said wagnier on the thirtieth of may seventeen seventy eight at about a quarter past eleven at night with the most perfect tranquillity a few minutes before his last breath he took the hand of morin his valet de chambre who was watching by him pressed it and said adieu my dear morin i am gone these were his last words like a peaceful river with green and shaded banks he flowed without a murmur into the waveless sea where life is rest from this death so simple and serene so kind so philosophic and tender so natural and peaceful from these words so utterly destitute of cant or dramatic touch all the frightful pictures all the despairing utterances have been drawn and made from these materials and from these alone or rather in spite of these facts have been constructed by the priest and clergyman and their dupes all the shameless lies about the death of this great and wonderful man a man compared with whom all of his calumniators dead and living were and are but dust and vermin let us be honest did all the priests of rome increase the mental wealth of men as much as bruno did all the priests of france do as great a work for the civilization of the world as voltaire or diderot did all the ministers of scotland add as much to the sum of human knowledge as david hume have all the clergymen monks friars ministers priests bishops cardinals and popes from the day of pentecost to the last election done as much for human liberty as thomas paine what would the world be if infidels had never been the infidels have been the brave and thoughtful men the flower of the world the pioneers and heralds of the blessed day of liberty and love the generous spirits of the unworthy past the seers and prophets of our race the great chivalric souls proud victors on the battlefields of thought the creditors of all the years to be why should it be taken for granted that the men who devoted their lives to the liberation of their fellow-men should have been hissed at in the hour of death by the snakes of conscience while men who defended slavery practiced polygamy justified the stealing of babes from the breasts of mothers and lashed the naked back of unpaid labor are supposed to have passed smilingly from earth to the embraces of the angels why should we think that the brave thinkers the investigators the honest men must have left the crumbling shore of time in dread and fear while the instigators of the massacre of st bartholomew the inventors and the users of thumbscrews of iron boots and racks the burners and tares of human flesh the stealers the whippers and the enslavers of men the buyers and beaters of maidens mothers and babes the founders of the inquisition the makers of chains the builders of dungeons the calumniators of the living the slanderers of the dead and even the murderers of jesus christ all died in the odor of sanctity with white forgiven hands folded upon the breasts of peace while the destroyers of prejudice the apostles of humanity the soldiers of liberty the breakers of fetters the creators of light 
died surrounded by the fierce fiends of God. In those days, the philosophers, that is to say, the thinkers, were not buried in holy ground. It was feared that their principles might contaminate the ashes of the just, and they also feared that on the morning of the resurrection they might, in a moment of confusion, slip into heaven. Some were burned and their ashes scattered, and the bodies of some were thrown naked to beasts, and others buried in unholy earth. Voltaire knew the history of Adrienne Le Couvreur, a beautiful actress, denied burial. After all, we do feel an interest in what is to become of our bodies. There is a modesty that belongs to death. Upon this subject Voltaire was infinitely sensitive. It was that he might be buried that he went through the farce of confession, of absolution, and of the last sacrament. The priest knew that he was not in earnest, and Voltaire knew that they would not allow him to be buried in any of the cemeteries of Paris. His death was kept a secret. The Abbe Mignon made arrangements for the burial at Bromilly-on-the-Seine, more than one hundred miles from Paris. On Sunday evening, on the last day of May, 1778, the body of Voltaire, clad in a dressing-gown, clothed to resemble an invalid, posed to simulate life, was placed in a carriage. At its side a servant, whose business it was to keep it in position. To this carriage were attached six horses, so that people might think a great lord was going to his estates. Another carriage followed, in which were a grand-nephew and two cousins of Voltaire. All night they travelled, and on the following day arrived at the courtyard of the abbey. The necessary papers were shown, the mass was performed in the presence of the body, and Voltaire found burial. A few minutes afterward, the prior, who, for charity, had given a little earth, received from his bishop a menacing letter forbidding the burial of Voltaire. It was too late. Voltaire was dead. The foundations of state and throne had been sapped. The people were becoming acquainted with the real kings and with the actual priests. Unknown men were born in misery and want. Men whose fathers and mothers had been pavement for the rich were rising toward the light, and their shadowy faces were emerging from darkness. Labor and thought became friends. That is, the gutter and the attic fraternized. The monsters of the night and the angels of the dawn, the first thinking of revenge and the others dreaming of equality, liberty and fraternity. End of Part 6 The Return